This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Having sat for a little over an hour in the car, I'll, I'll try standing for a while until I, uh, I get uh, tired. Th- 37 years sounds very uh, strange. Uh, it really only seems like 37 years. Um, happy to be here. Thanks to uh, Irene, who worked very hard to uh, set this up. Um, we seem to have more people than, uh, than I expected. I looked at the, uh, your Facebook page, and seven people said they were coming, <laughs> which uh, you know would have been fine. Uh, I, I love talking about this story. I mean, I, I'll, I'll stop people on the street and uh, try to tell them about it. And you're obviously a select group. Uh, some of you went to Selma uh, on March 7th. Uh, you, you could have instead celebrated National Cereal Day, which, is, uh, which Charles Osgood mentioned on the CBS Sunday Morning Show, um, looking at a calendar. And uh, that troubled me. And I, I attempted to fire off a tweet saying, hey, you know, uh, that date has uh, great significance uh, to a lot of people. Uh, or you, you know, or even today, you could be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Sound of Music. Um, but uh, so I'm happy, uh, happy to see you. Um, Selma and uh, Bloody Sunday uh, was, in fact, a turning point uh, in American history. President Johnson compared it to uh, Lexington and Concord and Appomattox. Uh, a moment when history and fate, he said, uh, came together in our unending search uh, for justice. But what I think few people know is that uh, the march that led to the attack, which we call Bloody Sunday, um, almost did not happen. Um, Dr. King was not there. And in fact, uh, that morning, he decided that it should be canceled. Um, he didn't think that the group was, was ready for uh, a five-day march um, and that they, they should wait. And so he asked Andrew Young to, uh, to fly from uh, Atlanta to uh, Montgomery and rush down to, to Selma and call the march off. But uh, when he got there, he found that uh, there were 600 people uh, ready to go. Called Dr. King and, and explained the situation. Dr. King said, well, uh, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, uh, Young said, well, I think uh, they'll probably just get arrested, uh, maybe spend the night in jail. Um, and Dr. King said, well, okay, uh, you know, let, let them uh, go ahead. Um, so, uh, this is an event that, as I say, uh, almost uh, uh, did not occur. It was part, of course, of Dr. King's campaign, uh, his voting rights campaign, which uh, began in January of, of 1965. Um, he was invited there by uh, local activists who had really been working for voting rights in Selma for decades. Uh, 
And a good chunk of the book is about these unsung heroes who uh, really risked everything, uh, their jobs, uh, their homes, uh, often even their lives, uh, simply to have uh, the right to vote. So Dr. King uh, came and, you know, began to uh, uh, hold demonstrations. Their um, main adversary was uh, Sheriff Jim Clark, uh, a brute of a man uh, who dressed like General Patton. Uh, he wore uh, at his side a gun, uh, a rope, uh, and a cattle prod. Um, he arrested uh, many of the people who demonstrated, uh, roughed up a number of the uh, local uh, activists. Um, and in, in, in one awful uh, incident, he actually forced marched teenagers who were demonstrating uh, out of town uh, while his troops followed along, beating them with billy clubs and uh, shocking them uh, with with cattle prods. Um, while the press covered uh, all of this, Dr. King was now a Nobel Prize winner and, and uh, seemed to be the leader of the civil rights movement. Um, the press followed him everywhere he went. There were pictures of uh, people being beaten and jailed uh, on the front pages of the the New York Times and the Washington Post. Um, film on the evening news every night. But nothing seemed to really break through the, the country's apathy. President Johnson had, in fact, been preparing a voting rights bill uh, while this was going on. But he and Dr. King were, were waiting for an incident that would touch the conscience of the nation uh, and give President Johnson the uh, political opportunity to send the bill to the Congress. And as January became February, uh, that incident was not occurring. And in fact, Dr. King considered pulling out of Selma. He thought, well, let's find another uh, spot in Alabama, set up shop there, and maybe uh, the incident that we're looking for uh, will, will come. So again, uh, had he moved somewhere else, perhaps there would have been no march, and uh, who knows uh, what would have uh, come of it. The incident finally came and it wasn't on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and it wasn't in the city of Selma, but it was in Marion, uh, Alabama, not too far from Selma. Um, King's people had set up uh, the movement uh, there, um, and it was working pretty effectively. And one of his lieutenants, uh, C.T. Vivian, a, a minister, uh, went up on the night of February 18th to give a talk or give a, a sermon. And um, when the sermon was over, he left uh, and, and returned to, to Selma. 
Um, there were about 400 uh, parishioners there, and their plan was to have a, a night march. Um, a march on the jail where one of their leaders was being held on a um, typically trumped up charge. They came out of the church and faced uh, a horde of uh, Alabama state troopers, Marion police, uh, Sheriff Clark was there. Um, and the, uh, the head of the local police uh, told them, go back to the church or go home. And one of the, uh, the ministers said, well, may we pray first. Uh, and with that, uh, he was attacked and uh, the rest of the um, uh, parishioners, would-be demonstrators, were also uh, viciously uh, attacked. Uh, the police shot out the lights, so everything was in darkness. And the press had been sort of cordoned off so they, they couldn't uh, see exactly what was happening. So in the end, there was no film of, of that event. And during the, uh, the melee that followed, uh, a young man named Jimmy Lee Jackson, uh, an activist, 26 years old, uh, was shot by an Alabama state trooper while he was protecting uh, his mother from a, from a beating. The people of, uh, of Marion were very upset over the death of, of Jimmy Lee Jackson. And President Johnson asked Jedgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, you know, for information. And because there was no film, uh, Hoover could, uh, in effect, lie to the president. He said, oh, it was, uh, the violence was exaggerated. Uh, the force that was used was uh, appropriate. And the president, uh, you know, could not challenge that view. So the people of Marion wanted to do something. Uh, one man said, let's carry his coffin to George Wall Governor George Wallace's State House in Montgomery. And it's from that idea of, of going to Montgomery that evolves the march that eventually takes place uh, on March 7th. The march, as I say, that Dr. King thought unwise and you know, finally gave sort of grudging permission to go ahead um, uh, and, and do it. So 600 people uh, led by John Lewis and his colleague Hosea Williams um, march uh, through the streets of Selma and get to the Edmund Pettus Bridge where they see a sort of sea of blue, uh, Alabama state troopers, local police, um, Clark's men on horseback, um, clubs wrapped with barbed wire. And um, if you saw the film, Selma, you, you, you see a fairly good uh, recreation of, of the terrible attack uh, on, uh, on, on the 
the, the people. Um, as you know, John Lewis was struck in the head, his skull was, was fractured. He said to himself as he fell to the ground, I'm going to die here. Someone called for an ambulance. Uh, Sheriff Clark said, let the buzzards eat them. So the, uh, the marchers fell back. They ran uh, for their lives. But, you know, we, we tend to think of the action happening on the bridge. And, of, of course, that's where the initial uh, attack occurred. But, as I recall, what you don't fully see in the film is that Sheriff Clark and state troopers pursued the, the men and women, and in one case, a, a child, uh, Shayon Webb, through the streets of Selma uh, on horseback uh, and in cars. And uh, they uh, attacked anybody who was, uh, well, any African-American who was in the street. Uh, they threw tear gas canisters in uh, uh, apartment houses where African-Americans lived. Um, they entered one church and they, they threw a young man through the stained glass window. So uh, it was a, a, a terrible, a terrible moment. It's a miracle no one died, but you know, uh, hundreds were treated for you know, bruises and cuts and uh, fractures and broken arms and, and uh, legs. But it was the moment that Dr. King had, in a sense, wanted, uh, the moment that President Johnson wanted. And one of the things about Selma, the film, that, that bothered me, and again, you know, you, you may think it's just nitpicking. In fact, some people would accuse me exactly of, of, uh, of, of nitpicking. Um, the film sh shows the country seeing the attack as it occurs. That, that didn't happen. The country really wasn't aware of Bloody Sunday until the evening. ABC was the first really to break the, the full story. They interrupted their Sunday movie of the week which happened to be a film called Judgment at Nuremberg, uh, an Academy Award-winning film about the Nazi war trials, uh, criminal trials after World War II. And I nitpicked because many people watching the film and then to have it interrupted and to see the, the, the scenes of what was happening in, on the bridge, you know, thought to themselves, my God, have we become Nazi Germany? And they dropped everything and rushed to Selma. Uh, those who couldn't go to Selma demonstrated uh, from Maine to uh, Hawaii. Lyndon Johnson was besieged uh, in Washington. People demonstrated uh, there. There was actually a sit-in in the White House itself. Um, President Johnson 
wanted them out of there because there, he was having a, a, a meeting of congressional leaders that evening. And, but he didn't want to, you know, didn't want to hurt them or anything. So uh, again, showing you how smart Lyndon Johnson was, he said, give him lots of coffee to drink and they'll need a bathroom pretty quick. And that's pretty much what happened. And the demonstrators were, were taken out. Um, a week later, President Johnson gave what was probably the greatest speech of his presidency, a joint session of the Congress, televised, of course, to the country. And he announced that he was sending a, a voting rights bill, a strong voting rights bill, to the Congress the next day or two. And those of you old enough to remember President Johnson, he was not a good speaker. He had none of the eloquence of uh, John F. Kennedy uh, or Franklin D. Roosevelt. But that night, uh, history and fate came together, uh, and he delivered a, a very powerful speech. And he said it was wrong, it was deadly wrong to deny anyone uh, the, the right to vote. And he, he, say, he, he, he talked about a job he had um, after college teaching uh, Mexican-American children, poor Mexican-American children in Catula, Texas. And he said, you know, they, uh, they had experienced prejudice, they were poor, uh, they didn't have enough to eat, um, their clothes were, were tattered. Um, I never thought then, he said, that someday I would have a chance to help them. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said, I now have that chance and I'll let you all in on the secret. You know, I mean to take it. Um, and then, most significantly, he invoked the anthem of the Civil Rights Movement itself. He said, and we shall overcome. No American president ever come close to saying that. Uh, anywhere. Dr. King watching the speech uh, in, uh, in Selma uh, was very moved. Uh, John Lewis, observing him, uh, saw a tear come down his face. Um, and a few days later, the, the, the voting rights bill went to uh, the Congress uh, and it was passed um, the following August. We're, we're talking March, um, the bill went March 17th, I think, or 18th and it was passed in August. Um, uh, I, I have more time, okay. Um, any, any questions at this point? I'd be happy to answer them. Yes. Well, it, um, excuse me a minute. The bill had a, um, 
somewhat difficult passage through uh, both houses. But it wasn't as bad as Johnson had feared uh, and as King had feared. The, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which, had, which Johnson had signed into law in July of, of 1964, had a terrible uh, going through the Congress, one of the longest filibusters uh, in congressional history. And the result of that was that by the time that Johnson submitted the Voting Rights Act, the Southern uh, segregationists were weakened. Um, many of them were ill. Uh, the leader of the segregationists, Richard Russell of Georgia, um, was not well and just didn't have the fight. And even the Southern segregationists found it difficult, they admitted, opposing a bill having to do with voting. I mean, it was so uh, elemental, you know, uh, so much a part of the American uh, character. Um, interestingly enough, um, it was the liberals who gave Johnson trouble because they wanted to um, have the, the voting rights bill abolish the poll tax. You know, as, as if everything that prohibited voting was, was bad enough, the, the, the awful exam that, you know, a Harvard PhD couldn't pass. Um, the, the fear of actually going down there. The one scene where they show with Oprah uh, was accurate. You know, she, she's asked by the registrar uh, as one of the questions, uh, how, how many judges are there in Alabama? And she said, 67. And he said, name them. Um, I've heard, you know, I, I don't know if this is true, but uh, questions like, um, you know, how many bubbles in a bar of soap, um, how many jelly beans in, in this jar, you know, something like that. Um, so if that, as if that wasn't bad enough, um, African Americans would have to pay a tax to vote. And the liberals wanted to, to eliminate that and have the voting rights bill do it. Um, the president was sympathetic, but the problem was uh, there, there a, the, the Supreme Court had ruled wiping out uh, a poll tax in presidential elections. So it was Johnson's feeling that it would take a Supreme Court decision to eliminate the poll tax. And if they put that in the bill, that would stall things and who knows, maybe even the Supreme Court would uh, strike down the Voting Rights uh, Act when, once it passed. So it had, it had a you know, difficult going, but not as difficult as, as uh, people feared. Uh, and John, Johnson signed it into law on August 6, 1965, uh, in an elaborate ceremony in Statuary Hall in, in uh, Capitol Hill. Could you remind us of the timing of the uh, bombing in the Birmingham church and the uh, hoses and 
incidents? Sure. Um, hoses and dogs was uh, Dr. King's um, campaign in Birmingham in the, in the spring of 1963. Um, the, the, uh, the sheriff of, um, or the police chief in, in Birmingham, uh, Bull Connor, um, let loose police dogs and, and fire hoses. Uh, and that was the incident that Dr. King was looking for, too. Uh, that was a very controversial moment because Dr. King uh, had an advisor named James Bevel, who even Dr. King admitted was, was crazy. Um, King said, you had to be slightly maladjusted uh, to be in this line of work. Uh, you know, creative um, uh, maladjustment. Um, Bevel suggested, well, let's, let's have the children march. And so it was, it was you know, teenagers and children who were hit by, by the fire hoses. That were, the, the, the water was so powerful it could t uh, tear bark off a tree. Um, and the dogs were uh, equally vicious. Um, and that shocked the country so much that that gave President Kennedy, uh, who had not done very much um, in the area of civil rights, uh, the opportunity to send to the Congress the, what, would be, what would become the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, Dr. King, later meeting with President Kennedy uh, at the White House, was shocked when the president said to him, you ought to thank Bull Connor uh, for, for all this. He's done more for civil rights than anybody since Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Dr. King was a little surprised at that, but uh, you know, he understood it because, because that's, uh, that's exactly true. In retaliation, um, a radical, this may sound strange, a radical sect of the Ku Klux Klan um, planted bombs in the 16th Street Baptist Church, which was the headquarters of the Civil Rights Movement in, in Birmingham, um, in September of 1963. And, um, four young girls were, uh, were killed, uh, and a fifth actually uh, lost uh, an eye. Um, so that's sort of the, the context. So, so how, how, with the latest Supreme Court decision, how has that, um, what parts of the Voting Rights Act have, have they removed that, that Johnson had originally repealed? They struck down Section 4, which contained the formula um, which allowed the act to cover certain states where uh, voting um, was the worst for African Americans. It was the heart, really, of, of the bill in some ways because it allowed Section 5 to, um, to work. Section 5 was what was called pre-clearance. Uh, it meant that all the states that were covered 
by the Voting Rights Act, um, before making any change in voting practices, had to submit that change to the Justice Department or a federal court in Washington, D.C. So it acted in, in many ways as a deterrent uh, to, to, to voting practices that uh, had the consequence of, of uh, depressing uh, the African-American vote. Um, so it, it, it left the Voting Rights Act really um, gutted, as uh, the phrase most people use. Um, Section 2 allows litigation uh, against those states that uh, you know, try to block uh, voting for, uh, not only for African Americans, but you know, for, for others. Um, and, and that's basically what the Justice Department has been doing. And there's been some success uh, in, in, uh, in, in blocking some of the, uh, of the bills, the, the, the voter IDs, the um, eliminating same-day uh, registration and voting. Um, you know, lots of days to vote, not just uh, on election day. Um, but you know, the problem is litigation takes a long time and the states can go ahead unlike when, when preclearance was in effect uh, and, and do, do what they want. Um, that's why it's important somehow to restore the Voting Rights Act, um, which does not seem likely. Um, One of the consequences of the civil rights movement was to really create a kind of revolution in American politics. Um, because of the riots uh, and, and other things, um, the Republican Party took advantage of this backlash. And so the, the South went from a solidly Democratic uh, section of the country to now a, a solidly Republican section of the country. And, you know, we're, we're going through a great change in America. Uh, America is becoming more multiracial, more multi-ethnic, and demographics are destiny, really. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to believe that the Republican Party can continually oppose that movement. Um, one of the great things about American politics in the 60s and the Voting Rights Act uh, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, these were bipartisan bills. The Voting Rights Act was written in the office of Senator Everett Dirksen of Illinois, the Republican minority leader. Compare that to today to the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which would be the first committee to take up a new Voting Rights Act. 
who said, we don't need the Voting Rights Act. We have a black president. That's evidence that, you know, um, <coughs> prejudice is, is gone. There's no problem. He won't even hold hearings uh, on, on the bill. Um, I mean, the hypocrisy of it is, is staggering. Um, among the folks who joined you in Selma were about 100 congressmen, uh, many of whom are going to vote against uh, a new Voting Rights Act. Uh, and at the same time, the Congress voted to give the, uh, the marchers of, of Selma a Congressional Medal of Honor. But they won't even consider a new Voting Rights Act. So what to do? Well, um, the Congress seems to be uh, not an option. Um, a constitutional amendment? You know, we don't have, people think we have a right to vote. There's no, there's no right to vote in the Constitution. There are only amendments, you know, the Reconstruction Amendments, which prohibit interference with voting on the basis of race, color, condition of previous servitude. There's no right to vote. Well, how do you, um, how do you amend the Constitution? It takes, uh, what, two-thirds of the Congress to approve and three-fourths of the states to approve. Not likely either. Um, the most interesting and in some ways shocking option uh, was, was um, suggested by uh, a political scientist who, who knew his Reconstruction history. Uh, the 14th Amendment, which prohibits uh, interference with voting, has a section, section two, that has never been enforced. It says that any state that interferes with voting uh, can have their congressional delegation reduced proportionate to the numbers of people who are prevented from voting. I mean, that is, you know, obviously it's never, never happened in our history. Um, and not, not likely to happen now. Um, so as Dr. King said in his last speech, we have some difficult days ahead. Um, I, I don't, you know, uh, we got a, a Voting Rights Act in the beginning because people organized. Um, and as Irene wrote me today, people went to Selma uh, not simply to commemorate those marches, but to uh, sort of revive uh, activism. Uh, and there are, there are movements. There's a, uh, an organization in North Carolina called Moral Monday, which attempts to, uh, you know, to, to, to do something about what's happening in North Carolina. Again, a, um, a Republican state legislature that's you know, been passing all sorts of, of awful um, legislation. Um, 
But that has not spread across the country. Um, and I remember that uh, the voting rights bill became possible because of the tragedy of Bloody Sunday. Is it going to take another Bloody Sunday to shock the Congress to act? I certainly hope not, but I don't, I don't know where, you know, where we can go. Can you speak to kind of the contemporary backdrop from, I know this is a big question, so whatever you're able to just keep doing this about, um, there was a Supreme Court case to uh, amend that act or overturn parts of that act, but then um, there's been a lot of grassroots states movements and influences behind them, like the American Legislative Exchange Council for certain kinds of laws, can you speak generally to what the backdrop currently is that might look like a threat to voting rights? <sighs> well, obviously the uh, uh, Republicans dominate uh, the Congress. Uh, and they have chosen for the moment to oppose the demographic development uh, that's occurring. Um, can they do that forever and survive as, as a party? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it seems unlikely. Um, the organization you refer to is, is known as ALEC. Um, it's a, kind of a right-wing think tank that um, is funded by the Koch brothers. And, you know, if, if a state, if a governor of a state like um, the governor of Wisconsin, um, <laughs> perhaps soon to be a presidential candidate, um, wants to put together a, a, a voter ID program, he can turn to this organization that will give him, literally give him the bill and uh, a publicity campaign to pass it, um, and that is, is, is sort of, again, dominates the Republican Party. Um, I mean, if I sound partisan, uh, look, I, I, I am. It's hard to, to be against the, you know, the right to vote. Well, there's no right against voting. Um. Didn't I hear today that Wisconsin that that the voter ID stuff was upheld? You know the vacant the Supreme Court. Did the, did the court rule today on that? Yeah. yeah. They they did. Yeah. Huh. So they're going to go through with the restrictions on, through voter ID. Yeah. You know, people will will ask me. You know. Uh, if I buy a bottle of cough medicine in a drugstore, I've got to show an ID. What's the big deal about having an ID uh, and showing it to vote? Well, the problem is that it, it, it puts a, uh, a real burden on elderly African Americans, many of whom don't have birth certificates, which is one of the things that you, you have to show to get a, a voter ID. Um, you have to take time off from your job 
to go to uh, the office to, to you know, sign up for uh, a voter ID. And of course, to, to, to obtain the documents that are needed is expensive for the poor. So for, for, for African Americans, the poor, uh, the elderly, the disabled, um, you know, it makes it extraordinarily difficult. Uh, if there was an, a quick and easy way to give everyone an ID, um, you know, I would certainly support it. I mean, the, the purpose of the ID supposedly is to prevent, you know, voting fraud. But the best studies, including one done by uh, President Bush's Justice Department, indicated that, uh, that voter fraud is almost negligible. Yes? Yes. Uh, she said that we encourage everybody to look for the videos. He's not interested in leading the national movement, which I respect that I'm saddened by, but he has the, the concept of an inclusive movement and seems to be acknowledging that it's really, at this point, got to be a state by state because with the changing of the, you know, the Voting Rights Act, things are happening statewide. Anyway, so if you want to get energized, I, I, I was very disappointed in, in President Obama's speech in Selma. It was a beautiful speech. It was a beautiful tribute to uh, all those unsung heroes that, uh, that I wrote about um, and other historians have, have written about. Um, it was a privilege to write about those people. Um, and he spoke beautifully uh, about them. But unlike President Johnson, he didn't say, here's what happens when an African-American goes to vote. Uh, they have to go to uh, the courthouse. Um, registrars arrive late, they leave early. They don't post their hours. Um, they have to take a test. And he went through everything. President uh, Obama simply said, you congressmen out here, you go back to uh, Washington and get 400 more and, and pass a Voting Rights Act. Um, now, of course, that's what the Supreme Court said in um, Shelby County v. Holder. They th he, the court threw it back to the Congress to come up with a more modern uh, Section 4. But shouldn't the President lead? You know, I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, the, the greatest presidents who are remembered in history, uh, you know, who historians write about, are those who, you know, put their office on the line for some great cause. And even if they failed, uh, you know, I, I think Johnson was, was warned at, at some point about the Civil Rights Act of 1964 saying, 
You know, you, you are risking your presidency for this. And Johnson replied, well, what's it for? What's the office for? You, know, you want to be great or do you want to do great things? Um, <coughs> That's a very good point. Um, I, I think you're right. Uh, it's hard to sort of quantify that, but um, it may be the reason why he is he is held back. I'm sorry, Irene. What you? Well, I was going to say um, the excuse was right. I'm sure if we did get into Reverend Barber's tweet of that, or any tweet mm. of anybody's Facebook friends of saying, "I burn the tweet to the end of but I'm sure it's on Facebook. I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah. But, but he gave out a, a plan that each state, each group could take back to their state to implement their own sort of moral compass project to try to bring people's attention to issues of the voting rights uh, restrictions. In our last few minutes, let me explain why the historical errors in Selma are my fault. <laughs> um, Irene was incorrect in, in one point in her introduction. Um, Director Ava DuVernay did not contact me. I contacted her. Um, I was watching Hollywood. I, I, I also taught for many years a course on film and American history, um, showing all those films that just you know, mangle uh, his, history to death. Um, so I was watching Hollywood and, and, and you know, the biographies of, of King in the works, Steven Spielberg may do one, Oliver Stone wanted to do one about the King assassination. Uh, God knows what that would have been, you know, uh, the CIA, the FBI, the military industrial complex. Um, and, and one director, there was this script about the Voting Rights Act and Selma, um, written by a British screenwriter. Um, and it, it would float around Hollywood, and um, f finally um, it, it wound up in, in the arms of uh, Lee Daniels. And Lee Daniels, and again, this is while I'm, I'm working on the book, Lee Daniels tells a reporter, um, the Voting Rights Act is the story of, of um, Lyndon Johnson, really, uh, and the story of a man who was a racist and is converted by Dr. King. So it's basically a King-Johnson story, but the emphasis on Johnson. I thought, you know, Jesus, this is, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> well, uh, Daniels decided, no, you know, uh, he, he couldn't get the money, and uh, he's going to go off, go off and do, um, um, I've forgotten it now. Yes, the butler. Uh, and then uh, uh, a, a young uh, black 
uh, woman, Ava DuVernay, uh, who had done small independent films, is, um, is signed to direct. Um, and she, she began, again, to give statements that just thrilled me. <coughs> she said, the, the title of this movie is not King, it's Selma. I want to make a movie about the unsung heroes of the Selma voting rights movement. Um, and I thought, oh God, you know, uh, I, I found my, my soulmate. Uh, but I have, I have my soulmate. You know. um, so I sent her a copy of the book. And um, Saturday night, phone rings, and it's, uh, it's Ava DuVernay. And she wanted to thank me for, the, for sending the book. And, and um, I, of course, I really wanted her to say, would you like to be the technical advisor on the film? <laughs> And I didn't have the courage to say, I'd like to be the technical advisor on the film. But I was encouraged by her, her statements. I thought, she, she, you know, she, she's got it right. She's got the story right. Sure, Johnson is, uh, is important to this story. But tell the story that's never been told. You know, put African Americans at the center of their own history for once. Not like Mississippi burning where the heroes are two white FBI agents. Um, and so we, we had some uh, uh, email exchanges and, and some texts and she called me one day and said, um, David, David O. Yellow, um, he'd like a, a PDF of, of your of your book. Do you have one? I said, yeah. Uh, he said, could you send it? And I said, sure. So she said, I'm going to pass it out to everybody in, uh, in, in the cast. Uh, terrific. And then I had an idea of maybe writing a book about the making of Selma. It's going to be perfect. So I got a chance to see it in an early screening. In, uh, in November. And, you know, right away I can see this trouble here. You know, um, sure, the heroes of Selma, the unsung heroes who've been working for 30 years, they are physically in the movie, but it's still basically about Dr. King. And there are all sorts of, again, you know, you might think it's nitpicking, but if you, if you remember the film, King is unable to go to Selma to participate in what becomes the Bloody Sunday March because he's just had that problem with the tape of his extramarital affairs. And he says that with his trouble at home, he can't leave. Well, that tape was sent to Dr. King in Christmas, and Mrs. King didn't hear it until January, not March, as it's portrayed in the film. So 
I went, I went with, I was accompanied by, by my daughter uh, who lives in New York and was protecting me. Uh, <laughs> thought I needed protection. Um, she said, this must be like watching home movies for you. And I said, well, you know, it's, uh, it, it is in a way. Um, and then there's the scene where Lyndon Johnson is sitting with, with J. Edgar Hoover uh, and, and the strong um, assumption is that they're conspiring to send that tape to Mrs. King or, or to Dr. King. I mean, that, that didn't happen. And that, that's a, you know, that was a, a vile thing to do. So I left that screening and I was really heartsick. Um, what do I do? Get an email from uh, a vice president of publicity at Paramount with whom I'd been uh, talking. Very sympathetic about me doing a book about the making of the film. She asked me, what did, what did you think? Do I lie? Do I say, this is wonderful, this is the most accurate historical film ever made? Hoping that maybe, you know, they'll, they'll let me uh, write the book and who knows, maybe they'll, they'll take Betting Toward Justice and make it the companion volume to the film. You know, fame, fortune. Uh, uh, a line from the movie, the producers, uh, I want everything I've ever seen in the movies. Um, well, I finally wrote to um, the vice president and I told her, there's real trouble ahead. Historians are going to jump all over you. You know, you know this, this, and, and this. Ava didn't do what she said. She didn't make a movie about the unsung heroes of the voting rights movement. You know, I'd be happy to help you, you know, withstand this, <laughs> the criticism when it comes, but better get ready. Never heard from her again. I wrote her a second email. Never heard of her again. I probably should have written Ava directly. I could have called her. But it was too late. Film was made. She's, she's showing it, you know, around the, the, the country in previews. And, you know, I was troubled by all of this. Um, the New York Times called me and other historians, what do you think? And I, I, uh, I, I said, and, and I wrote up a, a piece for the Daily Beast about it. Ava sends me an email. You know, what have you done? I can't believe you've done this. I've given you screen credit. That I didn't know. I mean, uh, the, funny, the funny thing was, when, when she called me, I'll get you out in a minute. Um, when she called me asking for the PDF, uh, I said, oh, do I get screen credit? She said, you know, for sending a PDF? I said, oh, you know, in that, that section of the, of the credits where you, you thank the caterer and your grandmother and, 
And she just laughed. Well, when I finally saw it, sure enough, you know, there's my name uh, among Congressman Lewis and Ambassador Andrew Young and others. Uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm heartsick about it. Um, and I wrote her and I said, you know, I, I, I wish there was something I could say that would restore our, our once uh, nice relationship. Um, and all of these things really were preventable. She never responded. So, um, so that's the story of, of me and Ava. And that's why if I'd said, I'm, I want to be the technical advisor, it, it could have won best picture. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you.